Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast with your hosts, Rail Bricker and Lindsay Adams. Welcome back. Our special guest today is Matt Raab, just down the road around the corner from me in Brisbane, Australia. And he's a successful website investor, uh, angel investor and digital educator who's been involved in mergers and business acquisitions for nearly 30 years in the 1 to 20 million range. Uh, Matt's a leading expert in website valuation, website due diligence, and investing in digital assets. Uh, he's had a, a wealth of experience. I'm not going to read every single word here, but he really tends to focus on teaching total beginners to do what he's done and how to tradi- transition and replace a high income job or business income with more leveraged, high cash flow, uh, location independent digital skills and online businesses. Uh, when they're not researching, buying, and talking about cash flow online businesses, you'll find Matt out training on his mountain bike or training for Ninja Warrior CrossFit with their kids. Wow. <laughs> Matt, welcome. Great to have you here. Thanks so much for having me on, Lindsay and Rail. Thanks so much. And Matt, we're here today to talk about the top five tips for buying websites for income and assets. Mm-hmm. A really interesting topic. We've not done this before, so I'm really yep. keen to hear what you've got to say. Um, tip number one, what hit me with it? What have you got? I, I think you just hit the nail on the head. My, my tip number one normally is understand that this is a real thing and it exists. It's quite like so literally what we are doing is buying websites, online businesses. Most people haven't even heard of that. And I'm guessing you're, you know, it's an alternative to traditional businesses. I know a lot of your listeners are business owners. And if they're potentially looking at, you know, expanding or creating maybe a side kind of business or like they call a side hustle, um, this is an ideal way to get into an alternative business and build up a portfolio of businesses. So that's my first tip is realize that this can actually be done relatively easy uh, compared to bricks and mortar businesses, because that's our actual background, bricks and mortar businesses, but realize that it can be done. And not only that, you can buy and sell websites to the point where you own a portfolio of them, just like real estate, exactly the same kind of idea. Okay. So, so, but, but now you've spoken about bricks and mortar business. So at the mm-hmm. end of the day, the businesses you're buying, the medium of sale is their shop front is the web. Yes, it is. Um, and but, but are they selling physical product? No, definitely not. No, we, we don't touch. So we do. And that's the other thing that people don't realize is most people, like, like you said, Rail, they would automatically think of a website as selling an e-commerce type product. We, we avoid that because of our background in bricks and mortar businesses. We don't want our money tied up in physical inventory. So we only buy websites that sell basically advertising space. It's They're like a billboard, if you like. So literally people come to the website. If they click on an ad, we make money while we sleep. So give me an example, Matt, of a... Um a website that that, yep. that um, so we can get a better handle on that. So most of what we do and our clients do are what we call passion websites. That's a really good question. So a really good example is a passion site, and by that I mean a topic where beginners or people are typically passionate about. So like playing sport, like learning how to do golf, or learning how to become wealthier, like your listeners listening to this podcast. Exactly the same thing, except it's just an online website. 
or it might be, um, I'll give a classic example, is the pet niche. It's huge now online. It's a multi, multi-billion dollar niche. Ever, we've been doing this for the last 15 years. And ever since we've been online, we've loved the pet niche. So you might own a website or one of, say one of our clients might own a website around dog training and they blog on it, but they don't write the articles. All this is outsourced. This is the sort of stuff you do part-time in the evening. You get a, you, you hire writers to write the articles. Yep. You find expert writers. And then basically over the years, this takes a few years, these sites build up and they've got really good information about how to train all sorts of different dogs. So people who've got a new puppy or a new dog land on that website, they read the articles and if you start paying attention, this is coming back to my tip number one is realizing that this even exists. When you start looking closer at these sites, you'll see little ads sitting all over the web pages. You know how you can click on them and they take yeah. you to a, well, that's the gold. That's the bit where we make our money mm -hmm. because that bit's passive. So we don't sort out the ads or anything like that. We just partner with a company like Google or any ad network. But basically the business model is it's like a billboard. People come to the website. They learn, we're there to help them with really good free information. And then hopefully when they're there, they click on an ad and we get paid. Now, that's a really, really very basic, simple model. There's lots of other ways we can make money online, but that's still to this day one of our favourite models. So um, an ad might be, you know, buy a new dog bowl for your dog, for yeah. example. Perfect. Yeah, that's it. And that way we're not the ones selling the, app, the, the dog, dog bowl. bowl. Yeah. And then to go to the next level, that's actually a really good point, Lindsay. That leads me to the next way that we monetize is what's called affiliate commissions. So if someone, sometimes we can sign up for affiliate programs where when people click on those ads or those call to actions, they're tracked, they're cookied. That's what cookies are. Sure. And basically when, if they do go over to say Amazon and buy a dog bowl, we get a percentage of the sale without yeah. having to actually stock any physical inventory. Love it. So, I love it. So for us coming from traditional, and any of you in listeners in traditional businesses that our background, Liz and I, my wife and I, we originally started out with um, manufacturing businesses and wholesale import businesses and they're very, very complex things to run because they involve so much physical inventory. So, of course, for us, this business model is I guess it's like Nirvana for us compared to what we used to do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay, so so I mean, I kind of yes. Now that I'm looking at twelve websites while I'm talking to you, and I know, <laughs> really, um, awesome. I, I now get it. So hit yep. us up. What is your tip number two for buying websites for income and assets? I think is yeah. My biggest tip number two is if you're interested in this, start out small. It's not like Particularly, I know a lot of your listeners are, are business owners and you're probably, you know, you think of buying a business, you're typically into six figures or into seven figures or whatever. The good news with this is if you're brand new to this, you don't have to do any of that. You can practice this skill by buying a website easily under $2,000 and you can practice it. It's exact, Once you've got that skill down pat, then it's literally just building, building up to more zeros. So my tip number two, I know it sounds really, really exciting. And it, it, when people first, when the light bulbs start going on as to exactly what we're doing, people get really excited and want to rush out and you can go onto these platforms that there's a lot of website brokers out there now. This is a mature market now. 
And you can see these amazing websites because I'll get to my tip number three in a minute, which is about the cash flow bit. But the cash flows are extraordinarily high with hardly any overheads. So the problem with that is, particularly for anyone listening who is a traditional business owner, you're going to get a little bit too excited and you'll be tempted to go without fully knowing what you do. You might buy a big website, whereas I'm going to say it again, because you can just learn on a small, simple Start website small. under yeah. two thousand bucks. Well, we actually say under a thousand dollars. You can literally buy a little learner site under a thousand bucks. So keep it safe, stay small. So you can get a site with L plates, can you? Abs- <laughs> yeah, actually, I like that's a top way. Awesome, Lindsay. I'm going to use that. Yeah, you can definitely get a site with L plates. I'll send plate. you an invoice. Yeah, yeah. And then actually, I like it because then the next part of our strategy is literally, when you think about it, you go to your P plates, which is you start to buy websites in the $3,000 to $10,000 range. Okay. So, well, then obviously, we're, we're moving into tip number three. So uh, yep. t- talk about that. Okay. So tip number three is stick to, I'm going to circle back to what you said, Rail, at the beginning, the start, the kinds of sites that we buy. If you want to learn this, Start small and tip number three is start on content sites because they're simple. So the exact kind of sites that I outlined in tip number one, don't buy e-commerce sites. A little bit controversial. I know there's lots of courses out there that teach you to buy e-commerce. You know, we've got friends that have made millions of dollars out of buying e-commerce websites. They're hugely, you know, it can be hugely successful, but not if you're a beginner. So that's what we specialize in. As you said, Lindsay, in my intro, I'm very passionate about teaching beginners about this sort of stuff because we made lots of mistakes when we started and we we don't want people making those mistakes. So my tip number three is keep it real simple. There's not much risk if you're buying a small site that's a content site. So because really when you think about it, you just got this asset. It's It's just an online asset and it just sits there. The worst that can happen is it just sits there. You don't have to be forking out money to, um, you know, put stock into it or anything like that. If you if you get busy, you can park it. You can work on these things part time. So content sites are literally just static, not static, but they're, they're websites that all they have on them is information articles that help people. We we were talking offline before we started. You and I both live on acreage, and I, I've got yep. uh, I've got chickens. Uh, in the oh, backyard, that's that's my hobby. Perfect. Yep. And uh, you know, I've I've done lots of research about owning chickens, breeding chickens, um, yep. and I'm thinking, you know, this uh, I should start a, a website on um, on on owning and breeding chickens on small yes. acreage because I could write heaps and heaps of stuff, yep. things I've learned, and and then I could see how I could bring in um, you know associated advertisers to flog their wares um, along yep. alongside my brilliant information about um, keeping chickens on deep litter, um, nurturing them, giving them a, a cuddle and a kiss every night before you put them to bed and uh, yeah. <laughs> all of that stuff. I am exaggerating slightly. I'm actually, like, seriously, I have a client in America that owns a little hobby site about chickens and he makes over $100,000 a year net. Now, actually, I should say it's not a little site. Sorry, it's a big website, um, but of, but it it's the bizarrest thing off chickens, which I grew up on farms. So I, I, he and I love, and so did he, 
and he's like you, Lindsay. He lives on acreage in America and he has chickens and he's got this chicken site. So that's what I help him fix that one up. And it's literally just off ads. That's 100,000 US, by the way, too. Okay, 100,000 US, that's worth yep. it. So yep. give us an idea of some, um, you know, how much money can you make out of this? Yeah, that's a one example, 100,000. Like, is that, yeah. is that typical? Is that average? No, uh, in the bigger sites, yes, if you buy bigger sites. But for your listeners listening here, because I'm presuming everyone's so new to this, I'll give you a real, my favourite example at the moment that we have in our own community. And it's a lovely young couple called Nathan and Alexa. They're, you know, they're, they're millennials. They, they know nothing about gardening, right? And they're just good at what we teach. And they buy these passion sites. And during COVID, you know, they traveled the world on a laptop. They left Australia and they live on a laptop. So they know nothing about gardening. They've, when they were overseas, they bought an Aussie gardening website off a guy here, Lindsay, in Queensland. Right. And he'd had it for like 10 years. He was bored with it, didn't <clears> know how to run it, didn't know anything. And he just flicked it off, just put a, put a message out there. I just want 400 bucks for it. Basically, those, he hadn't touched it. Oh, yeah. And so they just swooped in and bought it. No one else, you know, saw the value in it. And they just applied what we teach. So they renovate it. So that's a big part of our strategy, which is you renovate this site. Now, this has taken them a good couple of years. So they got that, I think, on the tail end of COVID. And now that same website bought for $400, wasn't making any money at, at all at the time. It is literally articles on native gardening here in Australia. So I like gardening and stuff. So I'm more interested in it than Nathan and Alexa are. I've got way more experience than those guys. Um, but that site now nets them $4,000 a month. Nice. And, Very nice. And they know what they're doing. Now, I've got to, I've got to say, these are our star students. They've spent many years with us. They, they, this is just one of many websites that they own. And, but basically they just, it's rinse and repeat. So they own multiple sites like that. They actually have a crochet website as well. And I think they paid four and a half thousand dollars for that. They fix that up over a couple of years. That site now makes eight thousand dollars a month off affiliate income and ads. It's on crochet. And Nathan is an ex-electrician, you know, so <laughs> he's not a crochet expert. So they and and they just hire um writers. So that they they're the they're the really exciting sites that I love seeing people own because they're low risk compared to traditional businesses that, you know, these young guys, they can buy these smaller websites. And what Nathan and Alexa want to do is own a portfolio of 10 of those, because then that's a significant monthly income. They're net figures, by the way, they're, they're not sales, that's profit. So how much time, how much time is involved in, in this? I mean, uh, yeah. you said you can start it as a side hustle. Yep. Um, let's just work with Nathan and Alexa as an example. They're obviously yep. doing this full-time now. They do it full-time now. Is it yes, like 40 do. hours a week? Is it 10 hours a week? Like uh, No, 10 hours, 20 hours a week at the most for that. Like it's these are very much it, – it's funny. Over the 15 years that we've been doing it with websites – it's definitely become, when, when we first started, it was literally quite passive. You buy a website, fix it up, and you literally just park it. You didn't have to do much to it. The marketplace has changed a bit over time because there is a bit more competition now, but still it is semi-passive. So typically, if you can work on your site, if you're just maintaining it, if you get it to that level, like that gardening site that they've got, realistically, they don't they only work on it like a big binge work period on it, say once or twice a year, where they read, they basically do project management. They plan out all the content that's going to go on it. They might spend a couple of weeks doing that. And then that's when they hand it over to their team, which is just two writers and an editor. That's it. And so they say, we want these 50 articles. So typically they're posting anywhere from 
that, that's a growth side. If you're growing it, one to two articles a week. And that's about, that's kind of the maintenance. So you can imagine, this is why, Lindsay, we train so many people that are transitioning from full-time employment to this because they can do this in the evenings. A couple of hours a week, realistically, you can start learning about this and building up a portfolio of sites. When you say you renovate a site, is that just a refresh? Is that, you know, putting in all the right SEO stuff? You know, what does that mean? Yeah, all of the above, Rail, it's a really good question. It actually involves, when we renovate a site, it's just like what we do with a house when you invest in a house. So, you you know, you don't want to buy a a fully run down house. We want something that's foundationally good. So we buy that and then we give it a lick of paint. So we literally come in and do a makeover. So you might spend, you know, part time, like a couple of hours a day, you might spend a couple of days just giving it a, a, a makeover. So fixing up what's called the conversions on there, just get everything in order. And then you start to plan it. And then basically from there, after that, really the renovation is just ongoing maintenance, which is tweaking up the search engine optimization because these are content sites. So we want them to be found in the search engines. So because they're passion sites, they're not, some sites are really competitive, but they're not like, it's not like we're trying to compete with Amazon and eBay and all these, you know, big name, you know, all the really big corporate names. These are passion sites. So they're, they're, I won't say they're super easy or anything like that, but they're relatively easy to SEO to search. And it's just by putting on search engine optimization these days is some, one of the key things we teach outside of website due diligence is basically the key way that we renovate these websites. Okay. So hit us up now with tip number four about how do you do the due diligence? <laughs> that, yeah, my, my number one tip for that, again, is if you're interested in is, is this is a key. Now, I'm going to say I'm really biased. I, I love this sort of stuff. My personal opinion is if you're looking for a new business or a side hustle, learning how to do due diligence on a website is a key money-making skill for the future. And it's one that we even teach it to our own kids, um, something I'm obviously very passionate about teaching. Learning how to do due, due diligence, I think, it's such a rare skill in business regardless. Uh, my experience is, you know, this has been my life, buying and selling businesses for the last 30 years, and I've owned multiple, multiple businesses. I've bought and sold lots myself, plus on behalf of high net worth clients. It's a it's a key. It's made me a lot of money knowing how to do due diligence on any business, let alone websites. And here's an opportunity, as we all know now, we live in a digital economy. I think if the COVID years show, showed us anything, this digital economy is just absolutely mind-blowing. Um, and this is an opportunity where once you've got this skill, you can recognise opportunities out there like, you know, $400 gardening sites and things like that. You can literally make money out of thin air once you know what you're doing. Now, it's a highly specialised skill and you've you've got to dedicate, not dedicate, but you've got to, you know, learn how to do it. But it's relatively easy compared to bricks and mortar businesses. So, yeah, my tip number four is if you're interested in this thing, it's worth the effort to learn how to do um, website due diligence. Well, can I ask the question? I mean, so what is the key driver? You know, because you want yeah. you want traffic, you want foot traffic or yep. or web traffic, so to speak. Yep. Is that the key number you're interested in? That is very observant, Rail, and absolutely yes. Even above and beyond profit, 
believe it or not. For me, I live and breathe by traffic. So when it comes to due diligence, there are three key things that are three key tips. These are sub tip in tip number four that you would look at exactly like Rail just said. The number one thing we are looking at always, always, always is traffic. And we use, it's totally free to look at that. We use a free program. Most websites on the planet these days use um, a program called Google Analytics. It's provided by Google because Google loves to collect every bit of data they can on us. So they offer it for free to all us webmasters. Whenever you buy a website, if you're buying it through a traditional, like through a website broker, they insist that every seller of a website uses Google Analytics. And if they don't, you just wouldn't buy the website. So it's, but it's the good thing with Google Analytics, it's super accurate. Every single, literally it tracks every single visitor to the website. Anyone that's listening to this that owns a website will know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's very common. So traffic, first and foremost, that allows us to do, in my opinion, 80% of the due diligence. That because I know what I'm looking for when I'm looking at the traffic, all sorts of things. I'm, there's, I don't have enough time to go through exactly what I'm looking for here. It's a big, big topic. But traffic first. And then the next thing, of course, what I've talked about here is we need to verify that the profit is real and true. So when the seller says, I make $1,000 a month net and I only work two hours a month on that website, we got to go, all right, well, is that for real? We need to check that out. And the good news with that is compared to bricks and mortar businesses, which is what I used to do, again, it's heaps easy with websites because everything's tracked. We literally, with a, a good website person, person that's selling their their website, literally, this is how open that, they just give you access to their bank accounts, to their affiliate accounts or their AdSense accounts. You can actually get a live feed. So these, now that's very different to when Liz and I started doing this. It's This is matured. But when you go through a broker, nine times out of 10, you can get a live feed into the um, either the AdSense accounts, the advertising accounts or the affiliate accounts, or you do a video walkthrough because it's a lot harder to fake video walkthroughs. You can you can always fake screenshots. That's easy. But people sure. can't fake a video walkthrough of, a, of an account. So that's yeah, probably- Our listeners can't see today, but Rail is looking amazingly, uh, you know, <laughs> handsome. And I think that's fake. Oh, uh, I yeah. put on my makeup today. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a third one that we do due diligence on, which most people miss, and that is the marketplace. So we typically, as do all our clients, we we recommend. You can hear me. You hear heard me say it here. We recommend you buy websites in any niche. Like you don't have to be an expert in the niche, but what you do need to be an expert in is how you do the due diligence on yeah. the niche that you're going to look at. And most people miss that. So one of the key things we teach is you got to check out this marketplace. Like here I am telling you, you know, gardening sites are great. Well, if you've never owned a gardening website, you, when you're doing your due diligence, you better look into where does that website sit within the gardening niche? Are they doing like Nathan Lexham? It was native Australian gardening. Well, can I actually make money out of that? How much traffic is there? And again, then we, end, we inevitably come back to the free Google tools, the Google Analytics and the, the keyword plans, but we're looking – we're, we're doing a variety of things in, with when we're looking at marketplaces, but we need to understand what's the – if we've never bought a website in that particular niche, you need to do due diligence on that niche sure. and get a feel for it because we're looking for long-term assets here. This is not a flipping thing. We're, we, we tend to keep our websites for the long term. Okay. Well, let's move to round off uh, the tips number five. Bring it home. Bring it home. I think is 
learn how to run them, the typical kinds of things, which we've already, I guess we've we've kind of covered, but you need to learn how to renovate and run these. And then with the idea of, like in any business, this is anyone listening to this, if you're in business, I'm leading to this very final point is always have, no matter where you're at in your business, always be thinking about the exit. Because one day you are definitely going to exit your business. And I've seen so many business owners over the years make that mistake. So very true. They go, uh, well, why would I ever sell, sell my business or I'm not ready to sell it now? You would be shocked at how many times that changes pretty quickly. Also, by doing that, so this actually this tip, I think we'll just focus on that because this tip, whilst I, I my mind instantly goes, is particularly true with websites because with websites, you have an opportunity to do big exits. Like when you know what you're doing, you can, if you have a goal to turn a simple, like Nathan and Alexa are a really good example. They saw that little $400 site and they knew they want to, <laughs> they want to impress Matt. They want to, you know, sell that. They want to 10, the goal is to always 10x your money, right? And that, that's what we do in angel investing. That's always an, a, a professional investor's goal is to 10x your money. So, you go in with the end in mind. I think that's a famous saying, isn't it? Yeah, it's always yeah. start out with the yeah. end in mind. And I guess that would that's very relevant to anyone listening to this podcast because we're all in business. I think that advice would flow through to even to all bricks and mortar businesses as well. So you need to understand what does a potential exit look like, who would we sell it to, and how do you value it? And then what do I need to do? What we find is when people start thinking about even if they don't want to sell now or in the next five years, but when their mind is on the exit, they naturally create a far better business or web, I was about to say website business, but any business. So yeah. I think that's my final tip. Think yeah, about I think that, that's very accurate. Okay, Matt, um, we are sadly out of time. Should our listeners want to get in touch with you and um, maybe start their first side hustle uh, yep. or talk to you about how to do that, what's the best way for them to do that? I think if they just jump on our website, ebusinessinstitute.com.au. Say that quickly three times. Yeah, ebusinessinstitute.com.au, <laughs> ebusinessinstitute. I mean, you can Google my name too, Matt Rad, and it'll come up there anyway. And Rad is R-A-A-D. Yes, R-A-A-D, that's right. And the and the uh, website and things will be in the show notes. So oh, fantastic. They'll be there. So thank you very much uh, to uh, Matt Rad from uh, Brisbane, Australia. My co-host, Lindsay Adams, also from Brisbane, Australia. This is Rail Bricker from Perth, Western Australia, signing off for another edition of the Top 5 Podcast.